Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. If you're anything like me, dental insurance isn't something you think about a lot. However, when the unexpected happens, it can help you avoid a costly dentist bill. Spirit Dental and Vision has dental plans that offer affordable rates and no waiting periods for major services. That means you can get coverage for major services like dental implants, crowns, and bridges right away instead of waiting months for your coverage to kick in. Spirit makes it easy to find the dental plan that's right for you. With other plans, you could run into high deductibles, long waiting periods, and expensive procedures might not even be covered. Plus, for a limited time, Spirit is waiving the $25 application fee. Just use promo code SPIRIT2020 at checkout. If you're looking for dental coverage made easy, visit spiritdental.com slash pod to gain a little peace of mind. That's spiritdental.com slash pod to get a quote in about 60 seconds. Spiritdental.com slash pod. On today's episode of For the Love of the Game, I am running a solo mission as my guy Steve Lewis is up on vacation in New Hampshire enjoying time with his family. Shout out to him. Much deserved uh, vacation. I know he's going to come back refreshed and ready to go next Monday. Uh, but as for today's show, we are talking uh, the swear jar. We'll get into our second swear jar segment. Uh, talking about Ricky Fowler and the Philadelphia 76ers. Both of those teams really made me say, WTF, guys. What the heck are you guys doing? I also want to get into a little bit of Boston Celtics talk, break them down a little bit, and talk about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and why I think they're the best tandem um, in the NBA, the best young tandem in the NBA for sure. Um, and then also we're going to break it down, our PGA Championship picks this week. We've got the first major of the season, so super excited to talk about the course and break down a few picks that we like uh, during uh, the championship this week. So make sure you sit back and stay tuned. Another episode of For the Love of the Game is next. Let's go. From the gridiron to the hardwood, to the grass and dirt, whatever your favorite sport is, you're sure to be entertained. And if it's walking around money you're looking for, you've come to the right place. It's for the Love of the Game podcast, and it's hosted by Mark Belleville and Steve Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of For the Love of the Game. This is episode number 22, and we are presented by the Unwrapped Sports Network. Make sure you go follow them on Twitter and on Instagram at Unwrapped Sports. Make sure you guys check them out. Today's episode is going to be kind of a solo mission for myself. Uh, Steve is up in New Hampshire. He is on vacation this week doing his thing up there, getting some family time in and relaxing. So shout out to him. I know he wishes he could be there, but definitely family comes first. And, and I hope my man's enjoying his vacation for sure. I uh, want to start the episode by talking about our friends over at rxhemp.com. Make sure you go check them out uh, for all your latest CBD products. Uh, they are pain. They have a, a pain treatment cream um, that works really well. They got a hot and a cold. Uh, you rub that stuff on you, and it gets rid of all your aches and pains. Uh, it's definitely great. I know I should be getting some soon. I'm definitely going to try it out. I cannot wait uh, to try it out. 
Make sure when you go there and you you buy whatever you uh, you get at checkout, do not forget to use the code RxHemp-USN, and that way you can save 10% off your whole order uh, once you do that. So again, make sure you guys go check them out, RxHemp.com, and use code RxHemp-USN to save. Uh, today's show is going to be a quicker show, um, probably only go for about a half hour, a little bit more than that, but we're going to get into uh, another swear jar segment you know, our, our WTF moments of the week. Um, also going to talk about the Boston Celtics. I want to break down them a little bit. We are Celtics fans on this podcast, so I do want to break down what they've been doing so far in their first two bubble games. I know a lot of people have a lot of questions about them. Um, and then also, um, as always, you guys are going to get our golf picks for this week. We got the first major in golf, the PGA Championship over at TPC Harding Park, so I can't wait to talk to you guys about that. We'll break down the course a little bit like we always do, um, and then give you our betting picks for the week. So um, so like I said, I want to start out with the swear jar. Um, so for, you, for those of you who didn't listen last week, the swear jar is a new segment that we added to the show where uh, Steve and I, obviously when Steve is here, he's, we are going to talk about our WTF moments of the week. You know, uh, the moments during the week that made us say, what the fuck? You know, why did this guy do this or what were they thinking when they did this or, you know, things like that. So once uh, the really plan behind it is, is once one of us swears, which I just did say the F word. So that's going to be dollar in the swear jar. I know when Steve listens to this, he's going to be putting that dollar in the swear jar. Um, But eventually once uh, we're all set and we get to Masters, uh, the Masters Golf Tournament in November, however uh, much money we have in that swear jar, we're going to go take that money and we are going to um, bet it on a master's winner. Um, and if that winner hits all proceeds will go to the Rhode Island food bank. So, um, it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's a way we can have fun with the podcast, make another segment. I'll also keep you guys entertained, but also a way to give back, uh, to our community out here in Rhode Island. So, um, getting into it, my WTF moments of the week, I actually have two of them and it's guess it's good that I have two since Steve's not here. So I can actually just go into both of them and talk about, um, first I want to start out with Ricky Fowler, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. I have had your back on the show numerous times. Yes, you are my favorite golfer. I, I back you up no matter what, you know, a lot of people talk shit and, and you're not a closer. And then sometimes I have to agree with them because you haven't, I mean, you haven't shown that you could do it recently. Um, even your most recent win at the waste manager at Phoenix open, you kind of, um, backed into that win there. Um, I know you've had recent success at that tournament specifically coming close so many times and, and not being able to get it done, which is kind of your MO. And then you finally broke through and got it done. And you really, really had me fooled this week, man. You were playing well all week. I mean, you had three chippings, which is unheard of. Um, you had won each of the first three rounds uh, for birdies, which are, which were huge, which obviously could swing the momentum of a golf tournament. Um, shots that you really had no business making. Um, so that's three birdies right there. You make a run, you know, on moving day. You get to within two shots of the lead going into Sunday. You're in the second to final group. Uh, you're paired with Brooks Kepka. You know, and, and you hadn't been fooled so much that I even put Saturday night, I put an outright bet on you to come back and win. You were only two down. Um, I believe you were um, sitting at five to one, I want to say. To, to to come back in and win that tournament. So whatever, not the best odds, but you know, I was like, I'll take it. I think my boy 
I think my boy Ricky's really he's going to get it done this week. You know, I have confidence in him. You know, I think that kind of stems from uh, the PG. Uh, I'm sorry, not the PJ, the Players Championship that you won. Um, I believe it was 2015, maybe uh, the players uh, that you won there. Where you just went on an unbelievable run at the end to close that out. Um, 16, 17, and 18, where um, I believe you eagled 16. Uh, that part tough par five. You birdied 17. Um, and you birdied 18, which, which if you guys who know, know the uh, TPC Sawgrass, those three holes are just so demanding. They're three of the toughest holes in golf. Obviously, the Island Green on 17, um, and then 18, that drive on 18 where you got water. It's a dogleg left, but the whole left side you have a water that runs along the whole, uh, the length of the hole. So three tough holes. Um, and that week you actually birdied 17. Um, four out of five times. You actually played it five times because you had to play it in a playoff. I um, mean, you birdied it in the playoff uh, to win the tournament. But just the way you closed out that tournament, it kind of had people thinking like, hey, man, Ricky kind of turned the corner. He's going to be able to do this. And uh, you finished, you know, you had that year where you finished the majors, top five um, in all of the four majors. And we're like, you know, Ricky's really going to pull through. He's going to get it done. He's going to get his first major. Well, none of that happened. And, you know, I was kind of stemming back to those moments and thinking, like, you know, Ricky's really got this. He's plays putting well. His short game is well. Like you said, he's chipped in. If he can just get his driver going, uh, which he is actually doing pretty well through the first three rounds, but if he could just keep it going, because that's been his weak point. If he could, if he doesn't drive it in the fairway, he's t- he's tough as far as getting that second shot um, in good position to make a birdie. Um, out of the rough, he's going to get some shots either short or around the green or even on the green, but um, they're not going to be close uh, to the hole. Um, and he actually led the field this week in proximity to the hole, which means that his average distant, distance of putts um, has been shorter. Um, but, you know, a lot of that came from, you know, obviously he chipped in a few times. Um, he was playing. He had, his irons were decent through the first three rounds. But on the sec on the final round, he was getting it to where it was taking him three shots to reach a lot of greens because he was driving it in the rush, uh, rough. I'm sorry, hitting it short and having to pitch up. So even though it's, take, it's taking him three to get to the green, and then he, now he's got less than 15 feet. So I think those numbers were a little bit misleading, um, to say the least. Um, but going into his, like I said, going into his Sunday round, I really thought he was going to pull it off. And that just might be the fanboy in me. Like, I just, I pull for the guy, man. Like, I just want him to do good. I do honestly think he's a really good golfer. Um, and so Sunday starts and he comes out, pars the first hole, second and third hole, he goes birdie, birdie. He gets into a tie for the lead. And then the next hole, he hits it on the green, but he's got about a 50 foot putt for, for birdie. He, he doesn't even get it close, doesn't give it enough speed. Uh, he's still got about a little over 10 feet for his par, uh, and he misses it. It just runs the edge on the right side. And so he gives one of the birdies back right away on the fourth hole. And then first from there, it was all downhill. Uh, Ricky didn't make another birdie the rest of the round. He threw in a double bogey on the back nine um, on his way to a final round, um, three over par 73. And he finished at nine under. You know, just outside, um, you know, it was in, just outside the top 10 or inside the top 10. I, I, I forgot that. Um, but either way, in a tournament that you were in prime position to win, you just completely fell fell flat on your face again. So to you, Ricky Fowler, I say, what the fuck, man? Like, when 
when is this all going to change? You've got the talent. When are you finally going to get in the winner's circle? And, I mean, this was a WGC event. This was one of the biggest tournaments of the year. It's got one of the best fields. Great prep for the PGA Championship coming up this week. And you just didn't have it in you. So, again, what the fuck, Ricky Fowler? Moving on to our next kind of WTF moment of the weekend. It's got to go, in my opinion, it's got to go to the Philadelphia 76ers. Philadelphia's first seeding game, they come in. They're playing the Indiana Pacers. This was Saturday. The Indiana Pacers are very depleted. They have DeMontis Sabonis out. He's injured. Don't know if he's coming back. We got Malcolm Brogdon, hour and a half before tip-off. He's ruled out, so he's not playing. Joel Embiid can have a field day on this team. Um, He is one of the best centers uh, in the game. Ben Simmons as well. They're experimenting. They're putting him at the forward, having Shake Milton run the point. You know, I don't know if that's going to be the best. And I didn't really like the way that worked out. I'm going to tell you why, you know, in a minute. Um, Also for Indiana, they didn't have Victor. uh, They had Victor Oladipo, but he's obviously still not 100%. He's working his way back from that injury. He hasn't played much since returning from that injury because of the stoppage. Um, So he's still working his way back a little bit. Uh, But this team, uh, Philadelphia, has huge expectations coming into the bubble. There's still a lot of team, a lot of people and a lot of um, analysts saying, like, if this team gets it together, like, they could make a run at the finals and give the top teams like Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee a run in the East, even Miami, um, because they're obviously talented. Like, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are, are super talented, two of the best young players in the game. Me personally, I've always said their games don't complement each other too well. I think Ben needs room in the paint to operate just because of the fact he can't shoot really well. And when Embiid's in the game, he really is clogging the paint, which he should be. I mean, he's one of the best big mans in the league. You get him on the block. It's two points almost every time. Um, But when you have uh, Simmons at the top and he's trying to drive the lane, it forces Embiid out to the three-point line. And you don't really want to drive and kick to Joel Embiid. He might hit a a couple threes, but he's not super consistent from out there. So you want your best big man down on the block where he's able to do work. Um, and that's exactly what he did. Um, he had 41 points, 21 rebounds, absolute dominant effort against Miles Turner, who's another, I wouldn't say the best big man in the league, but he's, you know, he's experienced. He's he's an average big guy in the league that doesn't have many true big guys anymore. I mean, Miles was, is, is one of the better ones, I would say. Uh, but he absolutely dominated him. Uh, even Ben Simmons had a good game. I mean, he had 19 points and 13 rebounds. I think a lot of those rebounds stem from him being in the paint more, down low, playing the four position, um, not really running the offense out top. Uh, one thing I didn't like about what Ben did, though, was he only had four assists. Um, and I think that also plays in part to obviously not running the point anymore. And I just think Ben's more effective when he has the ball in his hand and he's creating for people as opposed to people creating for him. You know, Shake Milton played, I believe, 19 minutes and only took one shot. He didn't really do much of anything else. He had one rebound, three assists, um, and that's not what you want out of your starting point guard. And I don't know why he only took one shot. I mean, I didn't see the whole game. I don't know if it was just within the flow of the game. I did see a clip of Embiid yelling at him, and he was getting pissed off. And I don't know if it had something to do with Embiid saying something to him, and it just kind of just tore his confidence apart and he just didn't shoot the rest of the night like I I don't know 
what was going on there with that team. But if Shane Milton's going to be their starting point guard, number one, I think he needs to play more than 19 minutes. And number two, he's obviously going to put up more than one shot because when he was coming off the bench, he was a killer for Philly. Um, he was hitting shots. Three ball was there. He was he was playing very well. Um, so maybe just an off night for him. But like the, like I said, the attempts weren't even there, so the effort wasn't even there to make shots. Um, but the biggest thing was on the Pacers' side, they let – TJ Warren dropped the first 50 piece of the bubble on them. Now I saw a question going around Twitter of people asking, who do you think is going to drop the first 50 bomb on somebody um, during the bubble? And I guarantee you not one person said TJ Warren. Nobody. There's nobody that said TJ Warren, but he did his thing. He was absolutely on fire. Philly started off that game hot. Uh, Pacers came back. Um, they got it close. Philly pulled away a little bit in the fourth, and then that's when TJ Warren um, kind of took over again and finished out that fourth quarter hot, and then eventually what won the uh, the Pacers the game, you know. But I was so confident in Philly winning that game, especially with all the injuries and and what we're expecting out of Philly, um, that I put a bet on him as well, five and a half. They were a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. They'll definitely cover that with how talented they are. They're not a terrible defensive team either. They got length on the wings with Harris and Simmons and obviously down low. They have Al Horford coming off the bench. Um, Matisse Thybul, one of the better defensive rookies. He's very long on the perimeter and bead in the paint. Um, you know, overall, they're a good defensive team, and they just, let, like I said, they let TJ Warren torch them. So not something I saw coming, but – Again, what the fuck, 76ers? You guys got to be better than that, especially if you think you're going to make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone the NBA Finals. So something for them to work on for sure. Um, I think I swore maybe like five times. We'll have to recount that, but maybe like four or five times. Might have dropped a couple F-bombs, but we got to put that in the swear jar. Hope I did you proud, Steve. Uh, we're going to get that kitty up so we can put that money and try to win some money for uh, Rhode Island and, and feed the hungry people of Rhode Island for sure. Um, Want to move on to talk about the Boston Celtics. Quick Boston Celtics segment. Obviously, we're two big Celtics fans on this podcast. And I think they're, they're a good team to talk about because especially what happened in their first game, they came out and they played the Milwaukee Bucks, which is – I think a great first game to get back to. You're playing one of the uh, the top team in the Eastern Conference. Definitely a team you're going to be measured up against uh, coming into it and a team you're probably going to see in the playoffs at some point or you expect to see in the playoffs at some point. And obviously everybody's biggest question is what the hell happened to Jason Tatum? Jason Tatum came out and looked like he completely forgot how to play basketball. You know, when I was a little nervous and, and Steve and I had talked about this on the show prior, but Jason Tatum, said that he didn't even pick up a basketball during quarantine. And now, after seeing him play, I truly believe him. Um, and it's one of those things, too, where he didn't look that good in the scrimmages. The first couple scrimmages he played, uh, he didn't look great. wasn't a lot of shots. He had kind of like a fluke 16-point performance against Phoenix where he had a spurt where he hit like four shots in a row. Um, but not the Jason Tatum we were accustomed to seeing, especially the Jason Tatum before the season shut down where he was playing like a top five player in the league, averaging 30 points a game, shooting 50% from the field and 50% from three. So one of the things though, that I didn't like is in kind of 
probably hurt Jason is that he didn't really get any minutes in the final break, uh, final scrimmage game. Brad Stevens didn't play his top seven guys. He kind of treated it like a last preseason game where you didn't want to get somebody hurt because you got like a whole season to look after. You know, I, I don't really question Brad too much, but I think it's you still had to get these guys minutes, especially guys like Jason who wasn't playing that good get them back in rhythm, get their confidence up again, because you're not playing a whole season. You're playing eight games and you're right into the playoffs. So these guys need every minute they can get. And I get that you need them healthy, but JT has been healthy all season. He hasn't been injured. He hasn't shown any signs of getting injured. So um, I think it would have helped if he played some more minutes in that final game, um, that scrimmage game, because against Milwaukee, he was two for 18, um, Really, though, he was one for 17 because he had a situation where Kemba shot at three and Wesley Matthews and Giannis went to the rim to get a rebound and they actually tapped it in their own basket. And Jason Tatum got credit for the bucket because he was the closest guy next to him. So you don't really count that bucket. He ended up having five points. Um, But it was just he was sloppy going to the basket. He was getting stripped. Throwing the ball off the backboard, like wasn't in con- under control going to the basket. His threes weren't even close. They were clanking off the side of the rim. Um, like I said, just looked like he forgot how to play basketball. Um, so I guess that's kind of one negative in that first game. But with all that said, the Celtics found themselves right in that game. And that was in big part to uh, four players, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, and Gordon Hayward. Um, Celtics started out slow. Typical Celtics game. I mean, they come out, and I said this to Steve, too. It was like, dude, that reminded me just of of how the Celtics game would have played out, man. They always start slow. They started out slow twice this year against Milwaukee, once in Boston where they came back and actually won. They turned a double-digit deficit into a double-digit win. Um, and then the game they played in Milwaukee where it took 40 points from Kemba Walker just to keep that game close. Um, so they always start slow against them for some reason, always end up coming back. Um, They made their comeback once Marcus Smart came in the game. He obviously showed a lot of energy, and that's what Marcus Smart does. Um, He comes in. He's a fuel. He adds fuel to the fire. He's not scared to get in people's faces and and kind of mix it up a little bit. He's all energy. He makes winning plays, so they obviously need him. Um, Jalen Brown was great as well. He continues his hot, hot start. He looks like he didn't miss a beat. He had 22 points uh, that game, played very, very well. Kemba was on a minutes restriction. Um, he played only about 20 minutes. I'm sorry, 19 minutes, actually, to be exact. He scored 16 points in 19 minutes, so very efficient, uh, very efficient night for him. Um, but he didn't play the whole fourth quarter, um, so that doesn't help. Um, we obviously need him down the stretch in, in most games, and especially in games against the Bucks, you're going to need him down the stretch. Um, but I think the Celtics are doing the right thing with Kemba because he looks great out there. Um, he doesn't look like he's missed a beat either. He's playing very, very well. His three ball is there, his pull up three, he's getting into the lane. He's even absorbing some contact. He's had a couple of awkward landings, but no tweaks of any knees. The knee hasn't flared up or anything after. So I think the Celtics got a good plan with him. Um, and they're going to ramp up his minutes as he gets closer to the playoffs. Cause you need him. You want a hundred percent. Uh, you need him at a hundred percent going into the playoffs. Um, and then a guy that's just kind of flying under the radar that nobody's talked about. And I even think Celtics fans forget about him, but Gordon Hayward, like he guy, almost had a triple double. Quiet, he had nine point. Uh, I'm sorry, nine, nineteen points, um, nine rebounds, and six assists. Like that's a solid game um, from your max player. 
you know, a lot of guys are like, Gordon Hayward's not the same player since the injury. Well, no, he's not. He doesn't have that same burst anymore, but he's still a 20-point-per-game scorer in this league. Like, before his hand injury at the beginning of this season, he was averaging 20 points a game and eight rebounds, like playing at an all-star level. Um, and then he dropped down to about 17 points a game. But the guy has been there. He's consistent. He's been playing super well. Uh, to see him do it against a team like Milwaukee is also a positive sign. Um, also, in a game where Giannis had about nine fouls, um, I don't know what it is with, you know, the NBA. I mean, I guess I guess uh, I, I don't want to get fined for criticizing the officials <laughs> or anything, but I do know that it, it did look like a bunch of uh, clear, obvious fouls on Giannis. He had one early in the game where there was a clear charge on Kemba that they didn't call. Um, then they had the one on Daniel Tice that it looked like he uh, hit him uh, with a low blow and they had to review it for a flagrant foul, but it wasn't even called a personal foul. And I guess the rule is if it's not called a personal foul, you can't change it to a personal foul, which blows my mind. Like the fact that you would call it or even consider it a flagrant foul that you have to review, how is it not a personal foul? Uh, doesn't really make much sense to me. So you have to uh, take that into consideration too that Giannis probably should have fouled out that game. Uh, which obviously would have, would have helped the Celtics. Um, but all in all, with other things going against them, with Tatum playing like absolute garbage, with Kemba on his minutes restriction, um, you got big games from, like I said, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. Uh, Marcus Smart had 23 off the bench. Um, he hit four threes. Um, so he had a big game along with doing all his you know, normal defensive uh, antics, taking charges, diving on the floor for loose balls, just doing Marcus Smart things. Uh, those guys really kept it close and kept it together. Um, one guy, too, I want to talk about a little bit is is Daniel Tice. Um, Daniel Tice is one of those guys on the Celtics who's, like, I think he's more valuable than, like, honestly, one of the forwards on the team. Like, I think Daniel Tice, if you lose Tice, like, you have nobody to take that spot. If you lose, like, a Gordon Hayward, you have interchangeable guys that can kind of take all – like, Jalen Brown and Jason, Jason Tatum would pick up for Gordon Hayward's slack. Like, you don't have a guy that can do that if Daniel Tice goes down. Um, his energy, he seems to always be in the right spots. Um, the way he seals off defenders when guys drive to the basket for easy layups, um, he's – Obviously worked on his three-point shot in the offseason because now he stretched his game out to the three-point line. Um, and he's pretty consistent with it. He does a great job. And the reason I want to talk about Daniel Tice is because I thought he should have shot way more threes um, or shots in general against Milwaukee because Lopez was playing so far off him. So I think you've got to take that shot and make them respect that and draw Brooks away from the basket because that'll open up more driving lanes for other guys. Um, and I don't know if it's a thing where like Daniel Tice is like, Hey, I don't want to take shots away from Kemba or Gordon or JT or JB. You know, I don't know. think they're going to, they're going to get pissed at me or, you know, but I think for the Celtics to be as effective as they're going to be, Tice needs to consistently shoot shots and make teams respect it and show him that, you know, Hey, I can't make this shot. And that way other bigs get drawn away from the basket, um, and are able to open up lanes for other guys. I think that's the Celtics will be better off going that route because if Tice goes down, like you have guys like you have Ennis Cantor who has got no jump shot really. He's not going to stretch a guy out to the three-point line and space the floor. He's very active on the block. That's where he's – it's his bread and butter. He backs the guy down. He's got a nice little baby hook. Um, Cantor's good, you know, versus other bigs like working the boards and whatnot. He always seems to find himself in the right position for rebounds. He's one of the best rebounders in the league for sure. Um, and then after him, though, you're really unproven. I mean, you have a guy like Robert Williams, 
guy like Vincent Poirier, who's obviously, you know, Poirier's probably not even going to be in the playoff rotation. And odds are it's looking like Robert Williams might not be either. Just how things have been going in the first two games. He hasn't really seen many minutes. Um, so I know Brad's not too confident in those guys. So you really only have Cantor after Tice. And if Tice went down, I think, like I said, I think that'd be a huge loss for the Celtics. So I want to give him some props there because he's definitely a huge part of what they do. Um, moving on to their next game, um, Portland Trailblazers. A big question going into this game was what's Jason Tatum going to do? Um, he clearly can't have a bad night like he had. I mean, he can't play any worse, right? He can't do any worse than two for 18, actually one for 17, with one of your baskets being um, a tip-in from another team. So excited, was excited for that game just to see how he would respond. And uh, right from the get-go, um, he was old Jason Tatum. He was back to do uh, Jason Tatum things. He was doing everything. Uh, getting his mid-range going, his little trademark sidestep three he was hitting. Had 21 points in the first half. Was taking it to the basket strong, absorbing contact, getting to the free throw line. He didn't look out of control. He wasn't sloppy. All the things he was doing in that first game, he completely switched and was do- not doing it in the second game, which we most of us knew that was probably going to happen. I don't think any true Celtics fan including myself, including Steve, was like, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks, Jason Tatum, is Jason Tatum, we're going to get the rest of this bubble. I don't think we thought that at all. Um, Obviously, it was a little eye-opening to see, um, but we kind of knew they'd get back into it, he'd get back into it. Um, And it just so happens to come after he cut his hair. And I don't know (laughs) if the locks or anything had had anything to do with it, but um, there was a joke going around that said those locks had no buckets, which was <laughs> completely true. Uh, but I guess he did it for his mother and his grandmother wanted to see him play a game with those on. He was actually planning to cut it before the first game and he didn't cause they wanted to see him play. And then after, <laughs> after the first game, his grandmother calls him and says, you need to cut those damn locks off. Um, so when grandmother tells you to do something, I mean, you do it and clearly it worked. He had a great game. He was old Jason Tatum again. Uh, this game was awesome because, the Celtics had a big lead. Um, they were up by 24 points at the most, I think 21 at the half. Uh, Portland came back um, to take a lead eventually in the fourth quarter. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum actually absolutely went off. Um, they were doing what they do. Dame was hitting big shots. Um, it was Dame time in that fourth quarter. Big three after big three. Um, but the best thing that I liked um, about Jason Tatum was the fact that he made all the right plays. The Celtics love to run a lot of high pick and roll. Um, and with Kemba out on a minutes restriction late in that game, JT had the ball a lot up top. And when he was coming off the pick and roll, they were blitzing him and double teaming him. And JT found Jalen Brown a bunch of times out of double teams for open shots. Um, I believe he had eight assists total in that game, and six of them went to Jalen Brown. And four of them went to Jalen Brown in that fourth quarter. Um, big fourth quarter from Jalen Brown. He was six for six. He had 16 points, I believe, in the quarter. It vaulted him up to 30 points for the game. So he had 30. Tatum had 34. Like I said, I can't say enough about Jalen Brown. I talk about Jalen Brown all the time. I think from his rookie year to how, where he is now, the leap that he's made is just unbelievable. He's worked so hard on his game, incredibly hard on his game, to, um, to get to where he is now. And seeing him and Tatum play together and then just how Tatum, like I said, was able to find him for those. They, they just trust one another. They play off each of each other very well. Um, it just shows that those two guys, in my opinion, and a lot of people are going to think I'm biased here, but they truly are the best young duo, I think, in the NBA. 
Um, I mean, young wise, you have you know Embiid and Simmons, but those guys haven't really proven anything yet. They're super talented, but even Brown and Tatum beat them in a playoff series earlier. So I got to give the edge to Brown and Tatum. Uh, Booker and DeAndre Ayton, a pretty good young duo. Um, who else am I forgetting? Um, Luca and Chris Stapps is a good young duo. Um, Luca's a MVP candidate this year, but Chris Stapps, I mean, he's not even getting all star consideration. So, um, I, I do give the edge to Tatum and Brown there. Um, just the way these guys are playing, they're playing at a super high level and they can take the Celtics to the, like Kemba Walker said, they can take the Celtics to the highest heights, um, this season, eventually, hopefully to, to a championship. Um, Another couple of key takeaways from that Blazers game. Kemba, again, played well. He was on a minutes restriction. Uh, Gordon Hayward, again, quietly played well, had 20 points, um, was key down the stretch as well, was four for four from three. Uh, played, like I said, just played very, very well. Another Gordon Hayward game, great Gordon Hayward game is probably going to get swept under the rug and, and nobody's going to really notice because you have the games of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, but overall, I like where the Celtics are at. I still do think they're a Eastern Conference uh, contender. Um, I think they can win the East for sure. I did pick them to win the East, um, and come out of the East and place the place. Uh, I'm sorry, face the Clippers, uh, in the finals. Um, they just need more of what they did Sunday and less of what they did Friday. Um, and if you get that, um, they can beat anybody because when that team is clicking and running on all cylinders, um, look out, man, because because they are dangerous. So, um, like I said. I do think the Celtics will win uh, the East this year and book it down. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, best young young duo in the league. Um, let us know too. I mean, if you listen to this, you know, on our Twitter pages, let me know. Let, let us know what you guys think um, as far as best young duo and where you think the Celtics might might finish this year. I'm curious to to see what what the listeners uh, have to say about it. Uh, moving on, though, we are gonna get into. Uh, we're at the 30 minute mark already, and I said we were only going to go for 30 minutes, but I'm just rambling and just blabbing, blabbing along, trying to make this podcast go great, just solo today. So, um, we're going to move on to uh, a great segment. This is our golf segment. Um, get a lot of great feedback on this segment. A lot of a lot of guys love it. They love what we do and the the banter that we have. And you know, I don't have anybody here to banter with, but I'm still going to give you, hopefully, give you guys some great winners and and some great picks. Uh, for this year's PGA Championship tournament. So, quick breakdown um, of the most recent tournament that we just saw. Uh, like I said, um, you guys already heard me babble about Ricky Fowler and how he just shit the bed and couldn't get it done. But let's talk about uh, what happened in that tournament. So, you had Brendan Todd, who was uh, minus 12 going into uh, the final round. And Brendan Todd was a guy that I liked. I was on him um Two weeks ago, I don't know if you guys listened to the episode two weeks ago, I had him as one of my picks, actually, and, and the day we were picking, I had no idea, but he actually withdrew from the tournament, uh, but I just kind of liked the way his game was coming into form, and he had won twice already this year, um, and he fit that that course pretty well, um, but turns out I was just a week early on that, and he has, ended up playing very, very well this week, had a chance to win, didn't pull it out, but um, definitely played well uh, this week. Um, Brooks Kepka, another guy who played well, who found himself in contention. Um, I don't think he's 100% yet. He's still got that knee injury. Um, but if he could have just made a, a few more putts, um, definitely had a chance to win. His driver kind of got uh, – he lost control of it towards the end. Uh, 18, he drove it in the water, which is a huge mistake after making birdie on 17. And Justin Thomas was in trouble on 18 too. Um, so uh, kind of blew all his shot, driving it into the water there on 18. 
Um, and then a guy like Justin Thomas. Um, Justin Thomas um, was one of our favorites last week. He um, came back. He was five shots back of the lead going into Sunday, um, and he ended up pulling it out. And uh, he said he learned a lot from previous tournaments because he had chances to close on previous tournaments and couldn't get it done. If you guys remember, at the um, the week before the Memorial he had a chance to win. He was up three with three holes to play. Then he gave up a three-shot lead with three holes to play to Colin Morikawa and ended up losing in a playoff to Colin Morikawa. Um, so I know that was sticking with him, and he said he learned a lot from that. Uh, one guy I do want to touch uh, on just really, really quickly about this tournament is my guy who I really liked in this tournament, Daniel Berger with a sneaky top five finish. He was kind of quiet all through the week and just had an unbelievable round on Sunday to sneak into um, a final round uh, at 10 under. Uh, 10 under par he finished. Um, so he was right there. He was only two shots off the uh, leader uh, to win the tournament. Um, so he's still playing well. He's still in great form. Um, so I really like what Daniel Berger is doing. And um, I think he really has a shot this week too um, at – the PGA Championship. Uh, so getting into the PGA Championship this week, we got uh, the course is TPC Hardin Park. It's a par 70 course, 7,234 yards. It's out in San Francisco, California. Um, this is the first time the PGA Championship's ever played at a TPC course, which I never knew that, and that's kind of surprising to me because there's so many great TPC courses out there. Um, good news for us East Coasters is we get primetime golf. Uh, being on the West Coast, we're going to get golf at 7, 8 o'clock at night, which is just awesome. Uh, we don't have to worry about missing it while we're at work or anything like that, which is great. I love it. Um, this course, hazard-wise, has 47 bunkers, uh, so 47 sand traps, two water hazards on the course, but the water doesn't come into play on any of the holes. If you hit it into the water on this course, you have to hit a terrible shot. Uh, of course... Brooks Kepka is the defending champion. He's actually the two-time defending champion. He's won the PGA Championship back-to-back years. Um, so he's obviously going to be one of the favorites here. Uh, Kepka has won. Um, he only finished out of the top five. He's won actually won four of the last ten majors, uh, which is absolute unbelievable uh, accomplishment. He didn't finish outside of the top five of any major last year, uh, which again we all know Brooks's attitude towards major championships. He's I said in plenty of interviews that that's what he gears up for. That's what he loves. Um, he just loves to play those guys. He is ten to one this week um, at this tournament. I don't think that's great value for Brooks. Uh, do I think Brooks Kepka can win this tournament? Of course I do, especially defending his title. He's really going to want to uh, make it three in a row. Um, so is he a solid pick to win? Yeah, of course he is. But at 10-1, to 1, um, depending on how much money you put up to him, those odds aren't that great, and so there's not really much value there. Um, I'll just start off, too. I just want to let you guys know. These aren't my picks, but these are some of the betting favorites. Um, you got Brooks Kepka, like I said, ten to one. Justin Thomas, ten to one. John Rahm, twelve to one. DeChambeau, fourteen to one. McElroy, fourteen to one. Tiger Woods is playing this week. He's twenty to one. I mean, twenty to one for Tiger Woods is just—I can't believe he's that up there on the list. I get he's Tiger Woods, but he hasn't played. You know, he barely made the cut at the Memorial, and he just hasn't looked really that good this year. Patrick Cantlay and Dustin Johnson, both twenty-two to one. Xander Shoffley, twenty-two to one. Jason Day, twenty-five to one. So on and so forth. Um, so those are your kind of favorites there. Um, I don't really like any of those guys as far as value wise, like Bryson has played like shit recently. Rory the same way. He hasn't played good. Tiger hasn't played good. Rom didn't play good last week. 
Uh, this is his first week as number one in the world, and he lost his number one in the world title to Justin Thomas after the win. Um, I mean, Justin Thomas and Brooks, if you, if you, if I had to pick a couple of guys in the top, I'd go Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka at 10 to 1. Um, just as kind of like surefire bets. Like, obviously, JT just won. Um, so he's in good form. And Brooks, he looked good, even though he didn't close this week. He did look good this past week. Hasn't looked good prior to tournaments. He missed two out of the last three cuts. Um, but again, like we said, Brooks Kepka, major championship week. Like this is what Brooks Kepka does. So if he went out and won and, and defended his title for the third year in a row, like you know, we're not going to be surprised. Um, so I do like that. I do like Kepka and JT if I had to pick some favorites here. Like I said, though, like, and like we've talked about, I usually like to go with some, some favorites. Um, I'm sorry, not some favorites, some more, uh, bigger value guys. Um, so I'm looking at a guy like Terrell Hatton. Um, I do like him at 45 to one. He didn't play well at this past week WGC event in Memphis, um, uh, but his odds doubled um, since he played. His that since he played so terribly, his odds doubled up. So he's completing against a nearly identical field. So um, the Arnold Palmer Invitational Championship, where he <clears throat> was last for his first in strokes gained putting, so he's really good putting. Um, and he's just played well this year. Like he didn't finish great uh, this past event, but uh, he's just he's just good at forty five to one. I like those odds. Um, like I said, he's a great putter as well. So if he can get it close um, on the green and uh, green regulate, uh, sorry, green and regulation, um, that'll help his chances at birdies. Um, another guy I'm looking at, um, and I think this value is really good for this guy. And his, and I think we need to hop on him because. His value is so high that because we haven't seen him play golf recently, but his name is Adam Scott. You guys might might have heard of him. You golf guys out there, I'm sure you know who Adam Scott is. Um, but he hasn't played golf uh, since the Arnold Palmer Invitational uh, this year. And like I said, his odds are inflated due, due to his lack of recent play. Um, he's won the Masters. Um, he's finished inside the top 10 of the PGA Championship the last two years. He's got 19 career top 10s in majors. He's obviously just a great, great player. He's number eight or nine in the world right now. Um, he won earlier a European event earlier this year um, in, on the European Tour, so he has won. Um, and he opened the 2020 season with a victory at the Genesis Open this year as well, so he's actually won twice. Um, so obviously we haven't seen him, but we've also seen that guys with um, bad um, – sorry, not bad form, but guys with long layoffs – Although along layoffs have been good, like Daniel Berger was good pre-COVID and it was great post-COVID. So if we can get a little bit of the same from Adam Scott, he's very played well. He's very uh, fared well in PGA Championships. Um, I think fifty to one is great odds on him. Um, and then another guy we have Brandon Todd. Again, I'm going to stick with Brandon Todd. I'm going to hop on him eighty to one this week, even after uh, playing. Um, Last week so well, he still got his odds are very very high, eighty to one, and he's won twice already this year. Like he was he was going to be the first three time winner on tour this year last week if he had pulled it out. Um, you have to like his chances. He just played this same exact field last week and and stuck in there with the big guns. Um, so I do like Brandon Todd. Uh, I think he drives the ball great. He's consistent. He's in the fairway. His iron play is very well. Um, you know, if he can get his part of working, I think he can he can make some some scores and shoot some low scores. This score, this tournament is probably going to be. I mean, Brooks only won at eight under last year. It's not going to be one of those tournaments where somebody's going to go fifteen to twenty under. Um, so I think anywhere between eight and twelve under is what you're looking for um, to win this tournament. Um, and then one of my last guys, and I know my guy Steve is going to like this a lot, um, is my guy Matt Wallace. He's one hundred and fifty to one 
this week. We know Steve's been talking about him a lot. Um, he's 41st in the official World Golf rate ranking. Um, he was tied for fourth um, at the Memorial Tournament where there's major life conditions over at the Memorial, and he tied for third in the 2019 PGA Championship. And again, just a guy who's in good form coming into the tournament and playing very well. He drives the ball well. Um, if he gets that putter going, obviously he can get hot. Um, so at 150 to one, I like those odds for Matt Wallace. Um, one guy I'm going to throw out there. I'm sorry, this wasn't my last guy. I'm just going to. Th- I'm going to actually talk two guys. I'll talk because I think Steve would be upset with me if I didn't mention his name. But I'm going to talk Abraham Answer, um, just for all the reasons that Steve has said on prior shows. I think he's just he's going to eventually. He's going to be one of those guys who just pulls through eventually and gets it done. He's playing well. His iron game is is phenomenal. Um, He's just going to put four rounds together, you know, and I think this is one of those things where on this show, I think we're just going to pick Abraham answer or Steve's going to pick Abraham answer until he wins every week uh, or until he wins a week. Um, and then we can say we got an outright winner. Um, and then I just want to let you guys know to stay away from Ricky Fowler at 40 to one. Do not bet on this guy. He can't finish. He can't close. Am I going to pull for him to win? Yes. He's still my guy, but will I put money on him? Not a chance. Even at 40 to one. Um, I don't like it. I'm going to stay away from it because it's a major championship. If he can't get that driver working, if he hits it in the rough, we know rough and major championships are tough to get out of. It's thick. He's going to be scrambling a lot um, and not going to have a lot of attempts at birdies. So uh, if Ricky Fowler is doing well uh, going into the weekend or even Sunday, just back away uh, because he's going to fall on his face because he can't close. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for our golf segment, man. I hope you guys – um, can take a little bit of that news on, on kind of the players that I like um, and guys that I dislike. Maybe we can take that and put it into some bets and hopefully make you guys a little bit of money. Um, stay tuned too. Like we say every week, Steve and I are going to be on our Twitter accounts and we're going to be posting picks for uh, matchups as well. We always like betting the matchups. Those don't come out till Wednesday night. So, um, but we like better the matchups, head to heads, and everything to see um, who wins. We got first round matchups, second round matchups. So we'll post them every night going uh, forward. It's still late. Obviously, let you guys know who we like. So make sure you follow us um, so you can get those uh, picks as well. Uh, again, guys, thanks for joining me uh, today. I really appreciate you guys listening um, to me trying to f- battle through this episode by myself. Can't wait to have Steve back next week. Um, obviously, love the banter with him and love talking everything over with him. Make sure you guys go follow both of us on Twitter. Um, I'm at love the game underscore MB, and he's at S Lewis five six five six. Like I said, we'll let you know all the updates with the show and, of course, our gambling picks for the week. Also, again, before we sign off, let's talk about RxHemp.com. Go there, check out their CBD products, especially their uh, all-natural pain cream. They got a hot and a cold. You put that stuff on you. Uh, Instant relief. Uh, Can't wait to get my package in the mail. I'm definitely going to try that stuff out. Um, And use code RxHemp-USN to save at checkout. Uh, you can save 10% off of your entire order. So, uh, again, guys, want to appreciate uh, – thank you. I really appreciate you guys for listening. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of For the Love of the Game. Peace, guys.
anything like me, dental insurance isn't something you think about a lot. However, when the unexpected happens, it can help you avoid a costly dentist bill. Spirit Dental and Vision has dental plans that offer affordable rates and no waiting periods for major services. That means you can get coverage for major services like dental implants, crowns, and bridges right away instead of waiting months for your coverage to kick in. Spirit makes it easy to find the dental plan that's right for you. With other plans, you could run into high deductibles, long waiting periods, and expensive procedures might not even be covered. Plus, for a limited time, Spirit is waiving the $25 application fee. Just use promo code SPIRIT2020 at checkout. If you're looking for dental coverage made easy, visit spiritdental.com slash pod to gain a little peace of mind. That's spiritdental.com slash pod to get a quote in about 60 seconds. spiritdental.com slash pod. This year has us all wanting to be healthier, and that includes our eye health. But how do you get vision coverage if you're retiring? It's actually pretty easy. VSP, the vision coverage many people get through work, offers individual vision plans. Enroll anytime, on any device, and start using your benefits the same day. You don't need to be an employee to get employee-level vision coverage. Visit vspdirect.com today. That's vspdirect.com.